Good morning. It is so good to see everybody here this morning. And again, welcome to those of you that are online. And uh, it's a privilege to be able to, to be with you. Uh, I'm not Seth. I can't write backwards. Uh, I'm not Kent. I'm not good at acrostics. But uh, I am Dale. And um, it's my privilege to, to speak with you this morning. Uh, when I was getting ready f to come, uh, you know, my wife looked at me and she goes, you're wearing a long sleeve shirt? And uh, I looked at her and I said, well, after the trauma this winter, I'm not taking anything for granted. <laughs> Who knows? It might be snowing by the time we leave. So, uh, But based on Kent's prognosis, I think we're going to be okay. So uh, that's good. But anyway, it is, uh, it is a, a pleasure and a, a treat to be able to be with you. Uh, as we begin uh, today, we're starting a new series. There's a six-week series, and you'll hear a little bit more about that as we go along. But uh, we're, we're starting a new series. And one of the things that uh, I want to just begin with is the reality that we all want to live a good, full life, don't we? I mean, everybody does. Uh, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian or, or whatever, there's this desire in people's hearts and, and minds to have a full life. Now, you know, the question that emerges from that is, first off, what's a full life? What does that look like? Uh, and then also, it almost immediately goes to a question about what if? As uh, I think about my life, and I think about the life that might be different, one of the things that comes into my mind is, what if, what if I had this? Or what if I didn't have this anymore? Or what if I had this experience? Whatever it might be. So I'd ask that you take a minute, and just on your own, for yourself, think about how you might immediately answer that question without giving much thought to what would be your answer to what if for your life. Oh, what would you want different, either to have or not have, or whatever might be the case? You come up with something? Uh, it usually doesn't take too long. There's probably some of you that says, my life is so good uh, that I, I wouldn't change a single bit. But for most of us, you know, there's something that comes to mind. And part of the reason that something usually comes to mind so quickly is that we are bombarded constantly in our lives today by messages that tell us the answer to that what-if question. Uh, and it's usually in the form of an advertisement of some type. Or maybe it's how people are talking, but many times it's advertisement. And so if you were watching TV or you're reading some periodicals or streaming something, <coughs> taking a look on the internet, often what will come up such is... It, what if I had a different job? Oh, man, that would fix so many things. And so there's then a lead to a job board or something that would enable me to do that. What if I had more money? And, man, oh, I could, I could, what a difference that that would make. And there's all kinds of examples then about how we could make more money, how we could save more money or invest or whatever might be the case. Uh, there's some that would look at that and go, what if I had more likes on social media? For me, that would be one. Uh, 
But for some, you know, they're almost consumed by that idea that I want to be an influencer or whatever that is. And idea that I would have all these people like the things that I'm doing and saying how I look. It might be my different clothes. It might be a different body. It might be a different sex life. It might be if I drank a certain beverage, then, hey, my house would be filled with a whole bunch of people giving each other a high five and uh, having great time and, and just all kinds of fun. Maybe if I took part in a particular activity, went on a special trip to a special place, whatever that might be. What if I won the lottery? Man, and so you see all these advertisements and people are buying tickets to, to buy the lottery. You know, if you're Seth, the answer to that might be, well, what if the Cubs had guys that could actually play baseball? Don't know if Seth is here, but I don't think I'm going to be asked to speak again. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, there's a lot of different things. But if you think about those items, or that list continues, you realize that most of the things that we're faced with, again, is the advertisements don't really promote the product, but what they're promoting is a lifestyle. And it's you actually, in many cases, don't learn hardly anything about the product or the item it's the life that you can enjoy if you use this, do this, whatever might be the case. Now, unfortunately, for people, when they come up with that, that list then brings with it a whole bunch of anxiety, a whole bunch of worry, depression, even suicide, because you're left with the question, well, what if I don't get it? What if I never keep it and I have it, but I lose it? And ultimately, what if I get it, but it doesn't do for my life what it was promised? You know, I'm drinking the right beverage and I'm doing the right thing, but all of a sudden my life isn't all chock full of happiness. And I have nowhere else to turn because I've started with this question about what if. One of the challenges then for people, all of us, is what if there's a better way? Different than what all of those things are asking. And uh, the, the reality of it is, for those of us as Christians, we often get sucked into the same list of what ifs as everybody else in the world, particularly the ones that are not Christians, because we're just constantly reinforced with those things. And so... One of the things that, you know, we start to think about is, am I really different? Deep down, am I really different than my friends, co-workers, neighbors, whoever it might be? About the things that I'm seeking after or desiring or wanting to do. You know, when they look at me, what do we talk about? What do we do? Well, in our series this summer, these, these six weeks, we're going to deal with that what-if question. And uh, what if our lives were indeed different? than them. Why? Because we have a different answer to the what-if question. And particularly, we're going to focus on three areas, one of which is time, one of which is talents, and one of which is treasures or resources might be the case. And we're going to touch a little bit on time today, and Seth's going to pick that up next week again. But we're going to touch on those things. But what if my life, particularly in those three areas, was different than the world around me. Well, how would that be? 
That could be powerful. That would make us different in a much better way. You know, when we talk about being a Christian and someone says, you know, what is it to be a Christian? One of the things that we start with and focus on, appropriately so, is that it's about Jesus and the cross and salvation and forgiveness. And it's this idea that we learn that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and there's an opportunity for forgiven of sins and to spend eternity with him. We often might even ask the question about, well, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity, heaven or hell? And it's appropriate to begin there because that is absolutely foundational. And that's why we're going to celebrate communion a little bit later on in the service. But nevertheless, uh, you know, that's, that's the basic and it's important. And in fact, Jesus in chapter 10 of John, John 10, 9, when he's preaching and talking with the crowd, he says that I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And so he's saying that he is the gate. He's the one. It is Jesus. And this promise would be there of salvation, of being saved if he enter through him. But take a note what the next verse brings out. He also says that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So it's more than just salvation. It's to have a full life. That was his desire for us. Jesus desires for us, those that have placed their trust and faith in him, to have a full life, which is a different life than the world around them. You know, what does that look like? It says, it talks about living our lives for Jesus now, not simply waiting for the day that we go to spend the rest of the time in heaven. It changes our outlook. It changes our outlook and how we spend our time. It changes our outlook and how we take a look at the talents and the gifts and the abilities that God has given us. It changes our look at how we deal with the resources and the money and the things that God has given us. It changes all of that. And it gives us a promise to answer that question, what if there is an answer? And that is Jesus and the things that he teaches us. And living for Jesus now is indeed a way to have that full life. There is an answer to that. And so we're going to look at that both from a personal perspective in terms of you individually as you think about the impact that that might have for you and, and the impact that that through you might have on people that, again, at work or all kinds of different places. But also, uh, think about what the impact would be if we collectively then as a body of believers, as folks of Salem that are Christian, that are living our lives, that kind of a full life, the witness that that might have on the community all around us and the impact. And people would be looking and go, I want that. I want to experience that kind of life. And that's the promise that he has. Now, it uh, all begins with developing a different mindset and the reason we began there is the fact that, you know, when it, we become a Christian, that really is primarily the work of the Holy Spirit, is to transform us and to change us. And, and he does that. But we also participate in that. But what we think, what's in our minds, impacts what we do. 
what we think changes or impacts what we do or how we act. And here's just one example that I might share with you. Have you ever heard of a puppy chow blizzard? I hadn't. And in fact, uh, someone, you know, when, if they would have come up to me on the street and said, hey, Dale, I said, want to have a puppy chow blizzard? I went, no, I don't think so. Put some hot fudge on it, maybe, but not a puppy chow. But then I saw an advertisement for a puppy chow blizzard. You know, that kind of looked kind of good at Dairy Queen. And that was enticing. But then I was talking to Daryl Heinen. And Daryl was telling me about this incredible dessert that he had. Well, what was it? It was a puppy chow blizzard. <laughs> Best thing ever. Huh. So I went from, what's a puppy child blizzard? Don't really care, to suddenly I had to have a puppy child blizzard. <laughs> so what did I do? Jumped in the car, drove over to Moorhead, went to the Dairy Queen, said I'll have the Heinen special. <laughs> I just said I'd have a puppy child blizzard, and you know what? It's really good. <laughs> so I would endorse that. But... It's an example where it changed in the mind, became a desire to do something, and then acting on it, the going to Dairy Queen, actually buying one and eating one, was the consequence to that. Well, we are so influenced by the messaging that's bombarding our brains all the time from the world about the answer to that what-if question that that becomes entrenched. And so part of what we need to do is change that mindset if we are going to live differently. And so, as we take a look at Romans chapter 12, one of the things that we find at the very beginning is that Paul, in the first part of the book of Romans, has been spending a considerable amount of time talking about what an incredible thing is that we are saved, that Jesus came to die, that we were hopeless sinners. And he's laying this huge foundation for the fact that, man, if you just grasp the significance of God's grace, how incredible that is. And that was so important. And he takes the first 11 chapters or so of Romans just to just lay that out. But then as he transitions to that, he said, okay, so if you have experienced that and you understand that and grasp the depth of that, then how about us? What, is, what, what does that mean for today? And he goes on in chapter 12 and he goes, Therefore, because of all of that, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And so if you catch the fact that it says, offer your bodies, so he's talking about this life now, not just waiting and Christianity is about living differently for God today, not just waiting for the day that we would spend the rest of eternity in heaven with him. And he goes, that's our proper response in view of what Jesus has already done for us. And so the first mindset changes. We are to live our lives to please God, not ourselves. That is so counterculture to the world. 
the counterculture says it's all about me. It's all about answering the what-if question, what simply makes me happy. But rather, we began to wrestle with the question about what if I did something that was a living sacrifice as a way of living my life for God? And we say at the beginning, that sounds, that, that's, that's tremendous, and I want to do that, and it requires something different. But how do I do that? Well, Paul goes on in the next part of that. He goes on to verse 2, and the verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so as we dissect that verse just a little bit, one of the things, again, it's, it's being transformed. That means changed, that our minds are being changed. But catch the word that it says, renewing. And it isn't just a one time and done. This needs to happen because, number one, all of these what-if questions of the world are so embedded in there, but also they're continually reinforced. As you and I go about living our lives in the world, we're constantly then being fed these messages about, this is the answer, and I've got to be able to combat that. And once I do that, and as that begins to happen, it's a call to action. And the action is to trust God's will. You know, as we take a look through the Bible, so often it's filled by the rebellion of, of man, especially if you go to the Old Testament and some of the things that we've been studying. And, and, and you get this sense that they're going, yeah, but, but man, the world's got something better or additional that I'm going to miss out on. And... and Maybe, maybe, you know, God can't do this, but I'm going to miss out on this. I'm going to miss out on this in, in various parts of my life if I don't do what the world says. And what we're being challenged to do is to trust that God's will, our God's way is the one that is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. So the answer to the full life is God's will, not what the world has. But we also go on and we look in the middle of the part, and that is that we need to be able to test and approve what God's will is. So in other words, it's one thing to even know about it or think about it, but it's another thing to do it. And so to go back to my puppy child blizzard, if all I had was Mr. Heinen's wonderful endorsement, and the Dairy Queen advertisements, I might say, that looks really good. And if somebody came up to me and said, well, what's, what's a good treat at, at the Dairy Queen? I might go and say, well, I, I hear that the puppy child blizzard is really good. But I wouldn't have an experience with it. And they would look at it and say, well, have you had it? Well, no, I, I, I like hot fudge. But puppy child is good. And what he's saying is, if... What we need to do is live our lives, take action, do things that are according to God's will and let him show you how true and effective they are. Test him in a positive way, but it means taking action to do that. And to remember that when it, if we worry about being left, left out of something or whatever, God's will is the one that's perfect, even if I don't understand it. You know, there's all kinds of things that the world is saying that is counter to what the Bible says. 
and we need to make a decision about which are we going, which are we going to believe, which one are we going to take. Test him and prove it. And so one of the questions that I might uh, begin with is, how much time do you spend each week renewing your mind? Stopping to test what the things are that you think about or the things that you focus on and testing them against Scripture. You know, that's why the cave time is so important. Bible study and prayer or table time, connecting with other Christians, you can challenge that and go, oh, my thinking is off base. And, you know, man, we need that as Christians. It's an ongoing process. And so uh, as we, before we dig into the discussion about time, it's helpful to also remember that what we're talking about in most cases are principles on how to do things, not a list of do's and don'ts. Those easily turn into a legalistic look that if you're going to be wise in your use of time, then you need to do this, this, and this, and this, and only these things, and it becomes a list, and you're good if you do, if you don't. In most cases, it will vary a little bit what that looks like in each person's life based on how they're wired in their situations, but the principles remain. So be looking for the principles for that. And again, we're going we're gonna to dig into principles or scripture passages related to time and talents and treasures. And so we began with time. As we take a look at that, and we start there, because man, that seems to be an area that is such a challenge today. If you come up to people invariably often, you know, you will hit, I am, oh, I'm so busy, I'm swamped. And, and if you are asked to do something, it's often, oh, I, I, don't, I don't have enough time to do that. Uh, or I'm, I'm, I'm just too busy to do that. And we're just bombarded. And many times people go, man, if I just had an extra hour or an extra two hours in my day, then my life would be different. And so let's take a look at some of the scripture passages that talk about time. Uh, the first one, Psalm 90, verse 12, says, Teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So what do we learn from looking at that? First off, our days are numbered. There's a specific allotted time that God gives for each of us to live in this life, in this body, in this place. And of course, eternity will go on forever. But nevertheless, that this time is here, that's numbered, it's finite. There's not always another day. But also that every day that we do have is a gift from God, that he's the one that's given it to us. And so as we think about that, how do I become wise in my use of my time? That I might have a heart of wisdom is being able to make good choices about that. An appropriate, urgent focus to do the things that God has prompted me to do and to avoid being stressed out about the things that God is not telling me to do. You know, again, one of the messages that the world often gives us is there's always tomorrow. It's no big deal. Live for yourself today. You can always do that tomorrow. You know, I know summer blast is this week, but maybe next year. You can do, you can do it next year because you've you got all these other things that you want to focus on this week. And so the question that you might ask yourself or that I might ask myself, what does my calendar look like for the coming week? And how might my calendar look differently if I put a pri priority 
on counting my days or numbering my days in light of the fact that I'm here to give my body as a living sacrifice for the Lord. Uh, it also changes our perspective of purpose. And so we go on in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9. It talks about, it says that we are to make it our goal to please him. Now, Paul has been writing again this idea that there's this tension about his desire to be here in the body, which is what he's talking about, living this life, but also, man, to be with him in heaven and and to be separated from all of the things of this world. So there's this pressure. But when he's talking about his body, he's talking about today. He goes, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Meaning, as long as we're living here, it is our goal, our purpose, our desire to please God. So if that context, we begin to think about how we use our time, and is, is this pleasing to God? If I take a look at what I'm going to spend my time on, is this pleasing to God? Is it serving Him? Is it serving others? And many times, making that wise choice that pleases God is helping out someone else. You know, just like a parent is pleased when they see someone else helping one of their children. And maybe that's the case with that. And so the question that we might ask ourselves is, what can I do with my time this week that I know will please God based on Scripture and the things that He wants me to do? What's one thing that I could do this week that I know that God is calling me to do, telling me to do, that would be pleasing to Him? And following that, we come uh, to the next verse in that same passage, verse 10, where it says, before, uh, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. So what we're learning from Scripture is that one day we as Christians will stand before Jesus and give an account for our lives. And that's different than the judgment seat of salvation. Uh, you know, that's secured. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, secured for us. But rather, this is, this is for Christians. We have an opportunity to stand there and say, well, how did, how, what kind of decisions did you make about your time and where you spent it and effectively? And to be able to talk about the good things that were done, not in a prideful way, but in knowing that it brings joy to God. You know, one of the things that will happen in terms of how I spend some of my time this week is on June 6th, in spite of summer blast, it will be our, I think, 42nd, 42nd anniversary I got a kick out of, uh, Austin came up to me after the first service and said, you know, I, I, someone told me one time, I said, a great way to never forget your wife's birthday or anniversary is forget it once. You know, there's just wisdom that abounds all over the place. But, you know, there will be a little bit of time that I'm going to set aside on Tuesday, even though she's working at Summer Blast, but to be able to say, God, thank you for my, for my wife. And thank you for the commitment of the 42 years that you've given to us out of those allotment. And I know it pleases you, God, that I've made a commitment to do that for 42 years and marvel at the fact that she's put up with me for 42 years. And so the question that we might ask ourselves is, who can I spend some time with this week that will please God? 
Who can I spend some time? Who can you spend some time with this week that will please God? You know, maybe it's picking up the phone and giving somebody a call or sending a text. Maybe it's dropping in just as to, to say how they're doing and give them a word of encouragement and support. You know, is, would that be an appropriate part of that time that might make all the difference and when we stand before the judgment seat that we might hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Romans 8, 18 gives us a perspective about our time relative to eternity. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And so what Paul is talking about there, he's talking about all of the sufferings that come to our lives. And sometimes it seems like, man, how can I hang on? But relative to eternity, this is just going to be a snippet of time. If there's a sacrifice that takes our time, it would just be a snippet relative to eternity. And if we keep our eyes on the, on the big picture, it helps us deal with the short term. You know, you look at the people that are training for marathons and they're running and putting all those hours in and, and it's worth it. Why? Because they're putting their focus on the fact that they're going to be able to complete a marathon. And says that, if we keep our eyes on the fact that there's an eternity that we're going to be spending, this is just a small time. Where the world, of course, is saying, today is all you have. It's all about now. There, there really isn't any other perspective. And that just magnifies the challenges that we have. And so the question that we might ask ourselves is, what challenge can I face today that I know won't last forever? If I define forever as eternity, what, what's something difficulty that I'm facing today that I can deal with and I can hang in there? Because I know it's not forever. What temptation is God calling me to stand up with and deal with some sin in my life, perceiving that it might be pleasure from the world's perspective? That I'm saying, I can do that relative to being able to spend eternity and spend an eternity with him. It changes our mindset about worry and apprehension. Uh, Matthew 6, 27 says, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And what, he's, what God is reinforcing is that he's got it. He's got time. He's got time in all history. He is sovereign. He's in control. And he's got my time in his hands as well. And there's all kinds of passages that you can put in there. It says, don't worry about tomorrow. Just trust him. And in reality, you can't change many of those things. It's okay to plan, but you can't change it, you know. We can worry about the weather, but not a single one of us can change it. We can be concerned about, is it going to rain or not? But it doesn't change that. But we need to trust him to provide what is going to be needed for tomorrow. He's going to get us through because we can trust his promises. And so a question that we might have uh, for ourselves is, what worry in my life do I need to release and give to God. Where, because of the world's messages about the what if, particularly what if this happens or what if this doesn't happen, in the world's perspective, I can replace that with the answer of what if I just trusted God, knowing that he's going to work out his perfect will, his perfect plan and purpose for my life as well as for the world. And then, Matthew 24, 42 talks about being mindful and thinking about the fact that Jesus is going to return again. Now, we can take comfort in the fact of knowing that he's going to return again, 
But what this passage says is, therefore, keep watch because you do not know what day your Lord will come. And so we find in Scripture over and over, it said that Jesus is coming again, but it will be a surprise and we don't know where it might, when it might be. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It's not just something put off for the future, which we often think about. And so that changes how we live today. And as an example, it said, if I know that we're having company tomorrow, I'm going to clean the house today. So it looks good for them when they come tomorrow. Ah, I love the plan. If I know my annual physical is coming up next month and I know that they're going to do a blood draw to check my cholesterol and my sugar, I'm going to cut down on the blizzards <laughs> at Dairy Queen no matter how good they are, because I want my blood work to look a bit better. So we like to plan, anticipate. But what if instead of the company coming tomorrow, they just pop in today? And what if for my blood work, instead of waiting for the physical in a month, one day the car just pulls up and this lady pops out and says, today's the day. And I'm trying to put the blizzard down. And what it does is challenge us to think about I'm every, how I live every day counts and I want today to count how I spend my time. And so Jesus can return. And so the question that we might leave ourselves is if he did come tomorrow, we don't know when he is, only God knows, but if, if he did come tomorrow, how would you want to spend today? Or if you like to reflect on the past, if he came today, how would you have wished you have spent yesterday differently? But looking more positively, if, what if he came today? What if he came tomorrow? How would that impact where you spend your time and how you set your priorities and the things that you do and the things that you focus on? Be ready is what he's calling us to do. And so as we take a look at the end of this, you know, what if your mindset changed about time. What if, instead of just repeating all of the things that the world gives us about time and talents and treasures, we're absorbed in the will of God and we're testing that and approving it and living it different. What a difference that could make in how we live our lives individually and what a difference it can make to us how we live our lives collectively, supporting, encouraging, and doing all these things for each other. And what a difference that would make to our individual and our collective witness to a world that's struggling with an answer to what if, not understanding that the only answer to that is living for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for all of the reminders about what a good, faithful, pleasing, perfect, wonderful God that you are and you want the best for us. So help us to deal with the what-ifs in our lives and help us to turn to you and trust you and walk in your path, confident that you will have us then the ability to live a full life as you intended. And we pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen.